What's Good Podcast. Are you ready? Your number one source. To all the keys in the industry. With Brianna Javon. It's the What's Good Podcast. What's good? So, courage being the ability to show up and allow yourself to be seen. I feel like it's so scary to be seen, Mm -hmm. especially because we know the things about ourselves that other people don't know quite yet. We know those mistakes or what we might call mistakes that we made. We know those disgusting moments. We know those shameful moments. We know those things that we feel we could have done better and that we're beating ourselves up over. So when we are allowing ourselves to be seen, I think we expect that immediately everyone will see all of the, the embarrassment. Hey, ladies and gents, this is your girl, Brianna Javon, with another episode of What's Good Podcast. I know we are still not in our regular season yet, but you guys asked for additional episodes and bonus content, so we are here with another bonus episode. So, we have Rock Align. What's up, y'all? I'm excited for you to be here. I am so elated. I feel so good about it. I do, so I was actually praying about this. I was like, there's so much I want to tap into, so are you ready? I am a wide-open book. I love it. So as you guys know, we do not have interviews. Instead, we have genuine conversations. So let's get into it. <laughs> All right. So we always start off with icebreakers. Your icebreaker is, what's the most out of character thing you have ever done? <laughs> not the last. Oh, <laughs> so it's funny because something literally immediately came to mind when you said out of character. It was like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, so I had started a new job. Um, being specifically a mentor to young women. And it was my first day. Uh And my mentor was taking me to Walmart so we could supply shop. And this was a Walmart that had a Subway in it instead of the Walmarts that had the McDonald's. This was fancy, had Subway. Uh (laughs) And so we were in line and I had asked if I could have a cup for water. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, sure. And she went and she got a cup of water and she started filling it with like sink water in, in like the back. Uh-uh. And I was and exactly. I was like, I, 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 I'd rather just take it and go over there. And she was like, oh, okay. And so she pours it out and she gives it to me. And I get over there and the water over there doesn't work. And so I was like, well, why didn't she just communicate that while I was over there? Oh, right. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna just get a soda because mm-hmm. my time has been taken up at this point. Right. I need something. I'm parched. Right. I start to get soda and I hear her yelling, uh-uh, uh-uh, you didn't pay for that. You didn't pay for that. Put that down. Put that back. And so she proceeds to come towards me and yell at me for stealing soda when I asked for a water cup, which she tried to give me sink water and then (laughs) didn't tell me that the other water was out. Right. And so I proceeded to explain. I was like, I'm fine to pay for it. She's like, no, just put it back. And so I threw it at her. Oh, not I threw it at her. I was like, yeah, so that's the the question was out of character. That is not typically me, but when cornered and when literally coming from around the counter. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. You know, it's like you're not prepared for people to come into your space for no, one. Yeah. And for her yelling, mm-hmm. I would have felt threatened. It was, it was a whole scene <laughs> and I just wanted her to know if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it. Right. Let's do it. And we did it. Uh, yeah. Commit. Commit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we about to get. I mean, we we starting off real fun. Yeah. So. Real fun. Yeah. You ready for the genuine conversation? I'm really ready. Yeah. Okay. So we always start off with who is, you know, the guest of the day. Yeah. So for you, who is Rockline? 
Rockalon is a. By the way, I love your name. Thank you, thank <laughs> you. Um, it is a multi-dimensional like experience being Rockalon. Um, mm-hmm. I have so many different parts to me that I am trying to honor and explore and tend to and reparent and nurture. Mm-hmm. So I am a lover of love. I am a vessel of love. Mm-hmm. I am a lover of people. Though sometimes I don't like people. I always love people. It be like that. It be like that sometimes, and I like to be honest about that. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a radically honest person, not brutally honest, because mm-hmm. I feel like that is beating someone over the head with the truth rather than just offering it to them. And I like to offer my truth. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I'm just a, a good time that isn't waiting to happen. I am happening. I Okay. So I kind of want to dig deep into a lot of different parts of what you were saying, Please. right? I want to talk about the journey of you, as you mentioning, just getting better at what you do and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. What did that look like? Because I know for me, I can only talk about for me, healing can be so nasty. <laughs> you know? So I just wanted to... It's a great word for it. I mean, it's just like, God, dog, I know this about myself, but I take that time to intentionally get to know myself. Mm-hmm. So for you, wh- what does that look like for you just to become Rockaline, the best version of yourself? It looks like being very grace-giving towards myself mm-hmm. um, and also not shooting on myself. Mm-hmm. Shooting doesn't help much of anything. Mm-hmm. It's such a comparison to an ideal that you might not be at that moment, and it's mm-hmm. going to be harder to reach that ideal if you keep shooting and guilting and shaming myself into mm-hmm. it. So I've opted out of that. It's looked a lot like reflection and self-perception. Reflection being looking back and self-perception meaning to look in the present moment at what am I doing and what were my thoughts before I did that thing and what were my feelings that led up to the thought that led up to the action. Uh So a lot of self-awareness so that I, when other people address me or call me in, I don't feel so defensive um, because I'm already aware of what's going on in me so that I can own up to mistakes that I make. um, And I can also advocate for if I don't feel like I made a mistake and Mm -hmm. I can explain and advocate for why Mm -hmm. I did what I did. So that's what really the journey of loving myself and working with myself has looked like. A lot of grace. I love that. I love it. So has this always been you just always improving yourself or was it just a time in your life where, like you mentioned, it's time for me to self-reflect on, you know, what's going on in my life. I want to do things differently in order for me to do things differently. I start with myself. What did that or that time frame, what did that look like to say, okay, I need to make a change? I think since I'm always evolving, Mm -hmm. it it finds me in different pockets of, of growing up. Um, I've always been an old soul. Um, my friends lovingly call me an ancient baby because I'm a big baby. I am, but I am an old soul. So it's a mixture of both. Um, so coming into the world, always just kind of being able to have a very good intuition and a sense of people um, and being able to use my social skills and my empathy to communicate with folks. I had to start to realize Sometimes not to be so focused on being comforting to people that I was shrinking myself. Yes. Um, And also learning how to be comfortable when other people weren't comfortable with me. Mm. And that was scary because who wants to be alone, you know? Um, who wants to to feel lonely? That's more of the concern. Being alone is actually great solitude, but lonely is different. Yeah. Um, and you're afraid that you'll push people away if you're not accommodating. Yes. And I think it took me years to learn and continue to evolve into a person that does not mind my way of showing up, not always being accommodating for other people. <sighs> okay. All right. People pleasing is a big thing. Oh, isn't it? 
I can say if there was a picture, I would probably be that in the dictionary. The poster child. <laughs> I am a people player. I'm like, okay, do you need some water? Okay, what do you need? Yeah. I'm here to attend to you. So how do you create boundaries to make sure that she still puts yourself forward or on top versus you know, spreading yourself from a leaking cup? I think that it's becoming mindful of if I pour into myself first and I know and am clear in what I am needing and what I am wanting and seeking, then when someone else asks me for something that is in contradiction to that, Mm -hmm. I have to consider what is the cost of this? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be more important for me to have what I need so that I can eventually circle back and help you with what you need? Or is it urgent enough of what you need for me to stop me pouring into me and to now pivot to pour into you. Mm. And so I very much take it on a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. But the truth is when you say yes to someone else, you're saying no to you for something. And I try to keep a fair tally of how many times I'm putting me on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And I do that less and less. Um, Discerning though, discerning over when someone needs it Mm -hmm. and you're in that position to be a vessel Mm -hmm. and you're being utilized Mm -hmm. to listen to that gut instinct versus Mm, am I just trying to make sure I'm people pleasing again? Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you give us an example of a situation that, that actually happened to you where you were like, uh, let me figure out and pivot to see, okay, what would be the best decision for me? Not mm. for the other person, but for me. Off the top of my head, I don't have an example immediately, uh-huh. but I think of little moments where like me becoming a, a life coach, like after getting my master's in clinical counseling, okay. I've had yeah, master's degree. Yes, you know. <laughs> um, I have had friends who are one-sided friendships, you know? Uh. And so people who, when they need something or need comfort, they'll reach out. Mm-hmm. And it always was nice at first because it gave me a role to play. It gave me something to do in their life. So I knew they'd come back. I knew that they would eventually return to the friendship. And now being someone who is paid for that service, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, no, no, no. You're not going to just call after we haven't spoken in eight months. And you haven't asked me how I'm doing either. Mm -hmm. You're just pouring. You're emotionally dumping. Mm -hmm. And I don't do that for free anymore. Mm -hmm. So establishing that boundary and advocating for that. And it was really uncomfortable at first because it felt selfish. Uh It felt like, oh, you're petty. Why do you have to make them do it? Just grandfather them into the healing. It's like, no. (laughs) No, because people care about things they invest in for themselves. So I'm not doing them any service by just enabling that behavior. Right. So that's one example. No, that was a really great example because I think it does start, unfortunately, with friends and family. It does. Because they know off the top, like, okay, I know how, who she is and I know yeah. she's soft. And I know I she know, loves me. Yeah. I know she loves So me. it's like, uh, I'm probably going to be able to get away with it. Unfortunately, that's yeah. just the thought process of it family is. and friends. So I think that was a really, really good example. So, you mentioned life coach. I think that was a great transition. And how did you get to being a life coach? I know you mentioned school mm-hmm. and things of that nature, but how did you push forward to say, I actually want to do this? I know a lot of people go to school for certain things and don't end up doing it. Exactly. I'm one, I'm one of them. I am one. Yes. So, for you, how did you, you know, get to where you are as being a life coach? So, I feel like my journey started with communicating through writing. I've always been a storyteller. Um, I come from a long line of storytellers, whether they were rebels, not reverends, but rebels, um, or whether they were life coaches or spiritual storytellers themselves, like my mother was. Mm -hmm. So I got really acquainted with wanting to communicate through storytelling, which led to wanting to communicate through poetry. Um, And then people very much validating that I had a voice that they wanted to listen to. Uh People from a young age were like, you should keep saying things. Uh We like when you say 
say things. And that is huge for a young black girl yes. to be told we like when you open your mouth and mm-hmm. you're not silenced. So I took that and ran with it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that something was happening to people when I spoke to them. And I knew that it was some type of comfort, but I didn't qualify it as healing until much, much later um, because I would use my own stories to help people reflect on themselves. And it gave them a safe way to start to work on things that they weren't enjoying because I was willing to talk about things I was working on that I wasn't enjoying. Mm -hmm. That led to me going uh, off to college. I ended up getting a bachelor's in strategic communication. It's a journalism degree. Okay. Um, so once again, didn't end up really using that, uh, but I journalism storytelling exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, I was too afraid to go to school specifically for creative writing. Mm. I didn't think I would make any money. I didn't feel confident, even was though the resources outside that was like. T- telling you that because I know certain times they're like you're not gonna go make no money with there that. was some of that there uh-huh. was some of that but I also think that I just didn't see a lot of representation mm-hmm. of and that's important black yeah. people making good money through creative writing and mm-hmm. how long did the journey take to get to that point right mm-hmm. so I was like well journalism you know there's always going to be news mm-hmm. so I'll go into journalism and I did not find a good spot for me in there. Um, I was really good at interviewing though. And so Mm -hmm. I noticed like, okay, so there's a trend of when I'm engaging with people, Mm -hmm. this is the consistent theme when I engage with people. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing an interview with the director of the counseling program and the interview was supposed to be 30 minutes. I was in there for two hours. She ended Uh up giving me a textbook. She invited me to audit her class the next semester, which was four grad students, but we vibed so much that she Mm -hmm. was like, come, And I knew then I was like, I need to go and be a counselor. I was like, I need, this is what I need to do. And so that was a pivoting moment. Um, But I was already too far into the journalism program. I was like, I'm going to get the bachelor's. I'm going to just finish this. We're not going to waste no money. We ain't going to waste no money (laughs) or no time. You know, we just go, we're going to pivot and do grad school for counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't end up getting into the program the first time I went for it. And I was devastated. Even Uh though she had put in a good word for me as Uh the director, it didn't work out yet. Um, And I ended up taking that time, um, moving closer to home. And it was intentional because a couple months later, my mom ended up in the hospital and then passed away. So if I had been in grad school, I would have been just completely enthralled in this program versus spending so many afternoons and evenings just looking at her, just enjoying her face and her space. So after that, later that year, I applied to grad school again, got in that time. So Mm -hmm. divine timing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did my two years. I got my master's in clinical counseling. But in that time, I learned that I didn't quite fit the counseling mold. Mm. Um, I am very empathetic um, and I very much respect the ethics and the boundaries of counseling, but there were things that my professors and my practicum teachers would steer me away from doing that I felt very comfortable doing. Right. Um, so I'd be talking to someone and a woman's talking about all the abuse she's been through and she's sobbing and I'd drop a couple tears and mm-hmm. I'd get reprimanded for that in school of like, don't, it's not about you. I'm like, at what point did I say it was about me? They're like, right. well, you're crying. I'm like, I dropped tears because she's sobbing about being molested since she was five. And they had to keep reminding me that's not your role as a counselor. Like you're supposed to keep it together. So I was like, this isn't going to work. I'm still going to get this master's though, because once again, (laughs) we ain't wasting no coin. Uh And what I was learning was still beneficial in being able to work with people. I just knew that I wasn't going to then go and spend more money getting a license that if someone didn't like that I cried in their session, they could Uh sue me and take it away. 
Uh, so I was like, I'm a pivot and I'm a go and I'm gonna be a life coach. And I know, and was mindful of the fact that a lot of people in the helping profession who are therapists and counselors and psychotherapists do not respect life coaches. Life. Really? Oh yeah. Life coaches are considered like, Oh, they have no ethics. They have no like structure. They don't have to do it a certain way. Mm. And that's exactly why I like it. Mm-hmm. I can't admit that it makes me warn people. Life coaching is a very free, unprotected field. So mm-hmm. when you find someone, vet them, see if they actually fit for you, see what they're talking about. Right. Um, because they get to proceed with you how they feel best mm-hmm. led to. And that's what I like to do, but I trust my intentions and I ask for people who work with me to trust them as well. Mm-hmm. But just being mindful of that is how I got to life coaching and I'm an unorthodox person of healing. So I'm very spiritual, very open to whatever beliefs there are. Um, I'm very loving, but I also hold you accountable. I'm very mm-hmm. kind and warm, but I'm not nice. I'm mm-hmm. not here to just comfort you. Right. I'm here to make you uncomfortable so you can grow. Right. So that's kind of the long winded journey as mm-hmm. to how poetry and writing creatively led to being a vessel of love called a self-love life coach. I love it so much because as you mentioned, I just heard like different pieces of poetry. I heard different pieces of life coach, you know, being a counselor and how everything just got to where you are today. So I love it. I want to know with you being a life coach, as you mentioned with therapists and counselors, there is, I want to say categories. Is it categories? Like when they say, this is my main focus is on anxiety or Mm -hmm. my main focus is on specialty. Yeah, specialty. Mm -hmm. So what would be your specialty? Or is it just life period? Oh no. My specialty is self-love. My specialty is self-awareness and emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence includes self-awareness as a segment of emotional intelligence. Uh Um, That also includes self-regulation. So your ability to go from zero to a hundred or to self-soothe and not go from zero to a hundred. It involves empathy and your ability to practice empathy towards yourself and towards others. It also involves intrinsic motivation, meaning that motivation that comes from within you, not based off of a reward or a Mm -hmm. paycheck or a salary. Um, But that person who sings, even though they can't sing because they love to sing, that's intrinsic motivation. Um, So helping people to kind of understand what drives them outside of what society expects to drive them mm-hmm. um, and then helping them to understand the different parts of themselves that sometimes come out when they're triggered and when they're mm-hmm. feeling defensive so that they can work with those parts instead of reject, deny, and avoid them. Mm. So is there a reason why you chose this specific specialty or it was just something that I enjoy helping people that may be going through this. Well, when I was in grad school, the theory that I connected most with was person-centered therapy theory. Uh Um, And so I always thought that people were the experts on themselves Uh and that they just needed someone to ask them the right questions so that they could answer and gain answers for themselves. Uh So that's very much a foundation to my approach. Uh And that's where self-love became the focus of if you can understand why you tick the way you do, Uh then you might have more grace towards why other people tick the way they do yes or better ability to assess like i don't want to tick next to you because it don't work for me (laughs) and like no judgment no No, shade it just doesn't work for me um so i think in realizing that self-love to me is just the beginning and oftentimes people assume well when you're talking about self-love what about wanting love from others? Like, Mm -hmm. is that wrong? Are you trying to avoid that or tell people that's not important? No, that's not at all my point. Mm -hmm. My point is that we often highlight romantic love and friendship and familial love, external love, and then we'll forget 
to practice self-love. Right. So all I'm asking for is for people to learn how to practice self-love and to give themselves what they need so that when they are with people, they're with them because they want to be, not mm. because they need to be, not because they're leeching off of each other or right. using each other, but you are sharing with each other. So self-love leads to better love to give to everybody. What's so crazy that you brought that up. I was seeing this um, post on Instagram and it was talking about immature love versus mature love. Mm -hmm. And those bullets that she just mentioned, I'm just going to please that person. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, whatever I need to do to just get back to them because they're going to want me more and I just want to be loved. And it's like, okay, well, do you love yourself? Because if you're whole for yourself, you won't need to feel loved by anybody else because you're self-love. Like, it's just a situation internally you feel good about yourself. Yeah. So I think that is so good. It's necessary. And we are community-based creatures, but I think we often are taking a lot of trauma from childhood and then expecting people we meet as we grow up to fix that. But we can't even articulate what happened or what we need Mm -hmm. to then ask them to fix it for us. So why would we not investigate, be curious ourselves so that when we meet someone, if we want to spend our lives with someone, whether Mm. it's a friendship or a, a lifetime partner, don't you want to be able to tell them why you're asking for what you're asking for? That way you can actually get it. Indeed. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So last questions before we get into a little bit more about rock and and things you have coming up. Right. I want to know what does your process look like to get a new client? Mm. Is it just, you know, fill out this sheet or let me get to know you first to see if, you know, we even are a good fit. What does that look like when that person reaches out to you and say, Hey, I want to learn more about your services. Absolutely. So people often reach out to me either in person or on Instagram or through my website, rockalon.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they do, they can sign up for a self session consultation, which is a 15 minute free consultation where we talk and we do see if we're a good fit for each other. Uh-huh. I'm not for everybody and everybody's not for me. Mm-hmm. And I like to give them a chance to see how I talk and find out what I talk about and what my focuses are and go through like, these are the things that I specialize in. These are right. the things that I use with you, things that I've applied to myself. Cause it's mm-hmm. very inappropriate to me to ask you to do something that I haven't tried myself to see like, what's the outcome that happens. Uh-huh. Um, and then find out what exactly they're wanting to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sign up to do the free self session, which is the 15 minute consultation, you get to fill out like a questionnaire and it tells me a little bit about like, what are your pronouns? Um, what are the the roadblocks that you've come up against? Um, what makes now different? Why is now the moment that you're wanting to do something? That's important. That's important. It yeah. tells me a lot about you. Uh-huh. Why right now is the moment. Uh-huh. Um, and it also can inform me at what level of urgency you need help. Um, Um, so that I can also find references or referrals that I can send you to if I'm not the best person. Um, I am definitely someone who likes to point you in the right direction, even if that direction isn't me, Uh um, just so that you can get the help that you need. I'm not just trying to take your money because that's not going to help either of us in the future. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into, this is the storytelling portion, which is my fave. Um, Just getting to know you a little bit more. So with that being stated, this is, I wouldn't say the good and bad, but just your highs and lows of your journey. So let's get started with the high first. Anything you feel like, dang, rock line did that pat on my back you know dap yourself up it was a real self-love moment that you really just enjoy you put in the work and you got the results that you wanted what would be one of those times you could share with
cannabis? I would say over the past couple of months, it's just been a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. I have had my business. It's been a business for three years, but it became official last year, mm-hmm. like LLC official, all that. Congrats. And thank you. You know, there's so much anxiety around doing it wrong or starting yes, a business. And am I that person? You yes, know, imposter syndrome, all of that. Yes. So having overcome all of that and been able to say like, oh, no, I have a business now. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to now have corporate contracts. I started working with Ogle Beauty School, Beauty Hair and Nail. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I am their emotional intelligence consultant. And so I work with their staff and I work with their students, um, their cosmetology students in their Fort Worth, Arlington and Houston campuses. So that was like... Oh, we made it. We did it. That was the moment um, that hit me in November. And I've been working with them. We just facilitated some workshops Thursday and Friday of this week, all which went really, really beautifully well. So yeah, that's one of those moments that I'm feeling really good about. That is so okay. So I have to ask a follow up question. Usually I don't do this, but I have to because that's so beautiful. A lot of people go into business like instant gratification. I did not do this right within the first year. So now I'm quitting. I'm about to start something else. Mm -hmm. You went on for two years and didn't actually start getting the contracts and the business. As you mentioned, you you didn't get it until the third year. Mm -hmm. What made you keep pushing versus, okay, let me just try something else. There's nothing else to do to me. Mm. Like there's nothing else other than to keep moving forward and not like in some like obviously keep pushing no but just gently and quietly inside it's like well what else you gonna do that's your mission yeah what else you gonna Mm -hmm. do you're gonna love people Mm -hmm. and if you're gonna spend your time loving people you need to be compensated Mm -hmm. so we got to keep trying different approaches keep learning new things scary things things that we don't know if we're capable of learning trying to learn these things and then applying them and seeing what shifts and what changes and as we kept being willing to put ourselves in uncomfortable i don't know how to do this places I learned how to do it and I gathered like compensation from it to the point where now I have corporate contracts and I'm hosting awesome events and people are asking me to come on and host future podcasts for them. So I'm very, very thankful. You should be. Yeah. This is good. I'm just smiling. I know y'all probably, y'all don't see it on YouTube. Y'all gonna just hear my cheeks because I'm oh. smiling right now. It's good stuff. Okay, so on the opposite end, let's talk about a low moment for you. Maybe just a learning lesson, mm-hmm. better words to say, that you went through something and then you were like, okay, I can't believe this happened, but I still need to push through and you know do what I need to do. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe you kind of questioned your journey, kind of questioned to see if you were on the right page. Yes. So when things started to look more like a business for me, I'd say this was in like my second year. Mm-hmm. The second year was shaky because there would be pockets where it'd be going, going. I wouldn't say even well, it's going. Mm-hmm. And then it was not going. Uh-huh. And that was very nerve wracking for me. And I didn't know if, if it's my fault, like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so my partner gave me some really good advice. She was like, you are the CEO and the owner. Take a break. Yes. Just take a break. Yes. Don't work for a month. Just mm-hmm. don't work and see what comes to you from that. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. I was like, well, people are going to forget about me if mm-hmm. I'm not promoting, if I'm not doing something out of sight, out of mind with this generation, right? Mm-hmm. With this society right now. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, what's, what I'm doing right now ain't working. Mm-hmm. So let me regroup. And so I took a month and I took a month and we took a road trip and went to Colorado and drove through the mountains. And I was listening to different podcasts and gaining all these different things. And I started realizing 
I was working trying to make sure other people respected what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't working making sure I was happy and respecting what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to appear like I was doing something. Mm-hmm. And now it shifted at that moment after that road trip, after that month too. I'm doing it very clearly and intentionally from this internal discerning place rather than seeking that external validation. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what it looked like externally, I was good internally. Mm -hmm. And then things started to truly flourish. I think it goes back to everything we've been saying this entire time. It's like, it starts with yourself. You can look and seek all you want to, as far as like the outside, but if it's not something like within your heart, I think it's always going to tell you and let you know, like to me, I'm very spiritual. I feel like the Holy Ghost is was always guiding me mm-hmm. and telling me, okay, homegirl, you, <laughs> this is not what you need to be doing right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> Let that go. So I, I totally agree. And I just think that that's important to always check in with yourself mm-hmm. because that's where you're going to see why are these doors closing? And I'm not getting no opportunities because are you not supposed to be walking through those doors? Yes. <laughs> yes. And that, yeah. I love the idea that the obstacle is the way. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm stuck. I'm stagnant. Mm -hmm. That stuckness is teaching you something. What can you learn while you're stuck? Because it's preparing you for the next opportunity of flow. The ebb is just as important as the flow. Oh, no. I'm so, this is good. Okay. So what would be one free advice that you can give somebody that's a counselor, life coach, therapist, or poetry, mm-hmm. a student that may be in school trying to figure out what they should do, what they shouldn't do? What would be one free advice that you can give them right now? Let's listen. I would say to sit with yourself. And it seems so simple. And the people who work with me the most, my clients are like, oh, I get tired of you saying that. Because it is so simple. It's like when someone tells you to do a breathing exercise, it's like, okay, yeah, breathing, breathing. But then after that, what? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, breathe. Yeah. And if you can actually find the value in the fact that you are taking in air mm-hmm. in and out of your body, you will see the symbolism of that in so many other ways yeah. over how if you tried to hold your breath, because you're afraid of losing something, just like if you hold on to something too tightly, yep. you are now going to suffocate, mm-hmm. you know, or if you let everything go, then you have to at some point make room to let things back in. Mm. So when I say sit with yourself, I'm referring to the idea that you, without any distractions, up until about an hour, for a solid hour, no phone, set an alarm or a timer, so you're not even checking to see how long have I been sitting here, right. make yourself sit and see where your mind goes. See where it goes. Um, and that is going to take you to a lot of different places, some places that a lot of people don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they don't sit with themselves. That's mm-hmm. why we're always on our phones or distracting. Mm-hmm. But if, especially if you're trying to get into a field where you're working with other people and helping other people, you need to know where your biases are, where your triggers are, where your trauma is so that you're not projecting onto other people. Um, and then also so that you know where you need to most love on yourself, reparent yourself and seek help yourself. Um, I myself have a therapist. So the best co- Coaches have coaches. The best counselors have counselors. The best people who are pouring into other people have people themselves pouring into them mm-hmm. because it is something where you need to be able to release. You don't want to experience too much vicarious trauma, right. which is very possible in working with people. Mm-hmm. And you also just want to be able to know what trauma you're already bringing into a situation as well. I like it. I know that's so funny that you mentioned that. And I think this is probably, I don't really share a lot like that on here. But I had to stop watching Law and Order SVU for a little bit. Yes, because I am a, like, is the word empathetic? Mm-hmm. 
I was feeling so sad for some of those victims. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. what? Clutch my pearls. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, like, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was just getting too into it. Like, it was real life. Yeah. So, it's just so funny, like you mentioned, like, to just really sit with yourself and, mm-hmm. like, create boundaries. Because mm-hmm. I really had to figure out why am I, like, so stressed. <laughs> Stress for these characters. It's crazy. And it's funny so. you say that Law & Order SVU is my guilty pleasure. Like I, I watch it, so it obsessively. <laughs> I binge it, but yes. I do agree that it is heavy. Yes. And it's like, mm, this is kind of toxic in some ways. So it's just so fun. Like when you mentioned with therapists and counselors figuring out their triggers and stuff. I think that is important that she said that because I'm not even one and I get triggered. I mean, yeah. I've never gone through anything traumatizing like that. Yeah. But me just like, I can't believe young kids are going through that. Like, oh. I couldn't even watch the last 13 reasons why yeah. <laughs> because it was just so sad to yeah. me. So like, I think that was really great yeah. advice because sometimes you walk into things like, oh my God, I can make this happen. Yeah. And then it's like, Okay, maybe I wasn't yeah. ready for that. And at least if you sit with yourself, you'll know where you're at on the spectrum of ready or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of nice to know so that you're not so surprised by things. Yes. Um, life will still life, you know, mm-hmm. life be life. But being able to at least know, okay, so this is how I respond to things like this. And this is why I respond that way. That way, if it's with someone who you care about, you can communicate that to them. And if it's with someone who you don't care about, you can at least communicate it to you as to this is why this is now like a no-go for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have a lot of upcoming things for you. I do. Yeah. So I want you to go ahead and explain the event that's coming up. I know you mentioned your website already, but let's talk about, you know, the event and the inspiration behind it. Absolutely. So the event that's coming up March 12th is kept. It is the intergenerational healing of black women through artistic and conscious expression. Um, it will be happening at 1 p.m. Um, in downtown Dallas. And we are so excited to welcome different women and girls ages 12 and up, mm-hmm. um, black women, whether you identify as cis or trans, mm-hmm. to this space where different generations are going to be having conversations that we often are not welcomed into having yes. um, in a space that is not only brave, but also safe. Um, we'll be having poets and dancers representing different decades of our lives as black women, um, performing and storytelling through through their talent and experiences, mm-hmm. um, a black musician, black woman musician performing and accompanying them behind them. And then that's just the first hour. The second hour, we actually break out into conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, first generationally, because it's easier to talk with your peers first of like, that's true. you know, generations <laughs> eat wild out here. You uh-huh. see what they're doing now? You know, we're talking <laughs> about, oh, our grandparents, they're toxic. They're toxic, uh-huh. you know? And then you talk in that generation and you process like, okay, so why do we see things the way that we do? Right. What entitles us to the opinions we have? Uh-huh. And then you move into a intergenerational group where you're talking with different generations over what do you think the impact of my generation is on your generation? Uh-huh. Why is what we do scary to you? Right. Um, and then that way we can start to kind of connect some dots, uh-huh. heal some gaps uh-huh. that are there. Uh-huh. Um, because I think it's the disconnect of the unknown. If I don't understand why you do what you do or why you didn't do certain things, Mm -hmm. then I cannot respect you. I cannot hold space for you. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, just in this day and age, women have become a lot more tapped into their masculine energy. Um, And so I noticed that women aren't even able to be soft with each other. Mm -hmm. We manhandle each other. And it's because we haven't had many places to be soft intentionally. And so this is going to be a space specifically for that. There will be 
a meal fed by amazing Shayway Healing Chef Shakorius. Um, so we'll have some vegan enlightened meals. Um, we'll have some take home takeaways. I'll be running some specials for families and individuals. So it's going to be a very, very awesome event. How can they get more information as far as registration, booking the tickets and things of that nature? So if you follow me on Instagram at Rockalon, so that's R-A-H-K-A-L-O-N, or on rockalon.com, same spelling, you'll be able to sign up for the event there. There's an event right. You can buy your tickets right now. Um, there's a special for if you buy two tickets, it saves you like $10. So it's really trying to encourage people to not just people, black women, to bring other black women with them. Um, I, I can transparently say that even me, I've reached out to my family and I've asked them to come or invited them to come. And transparently, they weren't that excited. They didn't seem that interested. Um, I think that they are anxious because we have different backgrounds. Um, I have family that is quite religious, more so than spiritual, and they would feel uncomfortable in the space. But I think that they forget like, we're all loved. Yes. We're all loved. And I am not talking about anything but love here yes. and experience. And I think sometimes people get afraid that if they cannot bring how they have kept themselves safe in, which I'm not saying you can't bring your faith, please right. bring your love of God. Please yeah. bring these things that have gotten you through, mm -hmm. but don't oppress anyone else with it. I if that's not how other people have gotten through, share your experience, but don't feel like you're entitled to try to convert someone immediately because uh -huh. that's how you got through. It might not be time yet for them in that way. Mm -hmm. So holding space like that for my own family and understanding our differences and hoping that they will step into this space with me and inviting other people to invite their families to do the same. I love it. I love it. I will definitely keep you on my prayers because I think it all starts with family, mm -hmm. you know, having those deep dive conversations with them. They just want to throw everything under the rug. Mm -hmm. God going to take care of it and this, this mm -hmm. and that. But it's like, where's the action behind it? Yeah. Just like with the Bible, we have instructions, but what are we doing with these what instructions? What are we doing with them? You know, if we're talking about religion, God tell us to love. Are you really acting of love and everything mm -hmm. that you do? Yeah. So I totally get exactly what you're saying. Because I think we have those blinders on when it comes to religion so much to where we forget. I'm projecting judgment right now. Yeah. Like I'm projecting hatred. And it's like, mm, is that really up the front? Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Yes. But I'm sure you're going to be talking about stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that there's room for all of those conversations mm -hmm. and the fact that Whatever through your spiritual walk, especially the Bible has so many great instructions, so yes. many great gems, yes. storytelling. Yes. So even if yes. it's not your go-to manual, mm -hmm. you can't sleep on the fact that there's some things in there that can bless you. Indeed. Just like other people who live and die by the Bible have to acknowledge there are some other things that could bless you too. Mm -hmm. And if you can be open <laughs> to that, if you can be open to that, then there's room for all of us. Love it. You guys have to definitely make sure that you get tickets because I'll be there. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of things that's going to take place as education, support, motivation, inspiration. Yes. So I definitely want to make sure that I see you guys there. Yes. <laughs> no excuse. She gave you all the information needed to definitely register and purchase your tickets today. Was there anything you thought we left out today? We are towards the end of our combo. I've had so much fun. I don't think we've left anything out. Okay. This has been great. I hope you have been enjoying yourself so far. I have, and I would love to come back. Indeed, we mm -hmm. have to. All right, so we always leave each episode with a motivational moment. <laughs> it could be a Bible verse, a quote, anything that I see that I'm like, ooh, this would be good to bring to the people. Mm -hmm. I bring it on here. I share my thoughts, and you share your thoughts. Okay. We're done. All right, so today, 
Bitch, I, I swear on everything rock line. If you listen to the podcast, when I get to these motivational moments, it's like a recap of what we talked about. <laughs> so you let me know if I'm tripping. I think we did again, everybody. Okay. Divine time. Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. Brene Brown. That's who the quote is by. I'm going to repeat it one more time. Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. So when I first read this quote, I've always been like, People have always told me when I walk into a room, let your confidence speak for itself mm. versus, oh, I do this, 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 and this, and this. And I'm like, I've never been that person. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I co-host something and they're like, well, Brie, you should have been more of this, this, and that. I'm like, I don't feel like that was my job to do that. <laughs> like, if they want to be seen and be heard and things of that nature, I will give you the floor. At the end of the day, I'm still going to do my job mm. and show up to be the best person that I can be. But I'm not ever here to, I'm going to do better than you or humble. I'm going to do better than that is not my job. I feel like confidence, self-love, and like just really working on yourself, people can see that. Because the first thing when people see me, they're like, Brie just got so much joy. And I'm yes. like, I'm not going to allow anything that happened a second ago, a minute ago, or even yesterday affect how I move forward. Because I want to literally live in love. Like when yes. I talk about, you know, the fruit and things of that nature, I really mean it because I feel like my mission in life is to serve others. Mm -hmm. So if I'm bringing in what I've done yesterday or whatever the case may be, I'm probably projecting what happened to me on you now. And then we both having a bad day. Yeah. So it's like, now my mission is now being deteriorated because Mm -hmm. I'm allowing my feelings to get ahead of myself. So when I read this, I was like, you know what? Going back to self-reflection, going back to self-love, going back to just confidence. I think when you go into a room or any type of project or any type of event or even an interview, if you just show up your best self, that's going to be seen more than you trying to be somebody that you're not. Mm -hmm. Because people will read between the lines like, who is this person? Who are you showing up today as? And then that's going to carry on to the next person, which you're going to miss opportunities. You're going to miss blessings. You're going to miss everything that's going to come your way because now you're not even in that space to be who you are and to be seen because you're trying to be something else that you're not so when I read that those are my thoughts yeah your turn so courage being the ability to show up and allow yourself to be seen I feel like it's so scary to be seen Mm -hmm. especially because we know the things about ourselves that other people don't know quite yet we know those mistakes or what we might call mistakes that we made we know those disgusting moments we know those shameful moments we know those things that we feel we could have done better and that we're beating ourselves up over so when we are allowing ourselves to be seen I think we expect that immediately everyone will see all of the the embarrassment all of the flaws, Mm -hmm. all the insecurities and the vulnerabilities of that. Um, But those are the things that actually help us to relate to each other. Uh, And that's the thing that actually helps us to connect to folks. Mm -hmm. And so it is courageous to do it. And it's very, very selfless to do it Mm -hmm. um, because you're extending an opportunity to someone else to say like, so I'm a person. You want to see my personhood? Right. (laughs) This is what it looks like. What does your personhood look like? Right. Um, But then also acknowledging that we are more than just a person. We are more than, um, more than pain, more than trauma, more than grief. And once we are willing to look at these things and allow other people to look at these things with us, we stop feeling so isolated and siloed in it Mm -hmm. and less shameful, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that's fine where I call everybody shame. I'm like, oh, you shame. Mm -hmm. Look at you. (laughs) But I am so 
thankful for you coming on today as a guest. This was amazing. I've seen you at so many events. You probably don't even know. Um, you know, really pretty hurts. Yes. Yes, that's the homie. And she was like, you and Rockland need to get together. So this was supposed to have been happening a long time I ago. It. I love it. I think I saw you at For the Culture. Yep. Um, I think she had an event. Victoria, shout out to Victoria. Shout out to Victoria, which is our sponsor for Kept. For real? Yeah. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I saw you there. That's so cool. Divine time. Divine right? time. So it's just so crazy that we're here today and I've just been hearing about you. Just all sorts of greatness. And for me to see it, when I saw when I saw you, I was like, ooh, just so much confidence. I know we just been hearing each other talking or whatever. And I felt the confidence there. Yes. But when I saw you here today, I was like, Oh, she's giving me all the good vibes. Like this is gonna be a good one. <laughs> it's a good day. So yes. I'm just thankful that she contacted me and we were able to just collaborate and make this happen today. I am so blessed by Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. And for everybody that's listening to this morning, noon, evening, or night, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What's Good Podcast, and we shall see y'all another time. Peace. Hey guys, for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram at what's good underscore podcast or my personal account b.javon underscore. Javon is spelled J-O-V-A-H-N. You can catch me on Twitter, what's good underscore pod C for Charlie. And then you can also catch me on Facebook at what's good podcast. Uh, make sure that you subscribe and also leave reviews for me to also see and I can also respond back to you guys let me know what you're thinking of the podcast and any updates thank you have a good one